What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's October 10, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 101. In this episode, I'll talk about why the tempo of your exercises are so important when it comes to building muscle or cutting fat, basically whatever your goals are. And the second topic, I'll talk about how just practicing movements and exercises can lead to long-term gains. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. If your plan is to get as strong as possible, your form actually has more to do with it than just constantly adding more and more weight to the bar. Form is everything, and I've said this time and time again on here, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Constantly just adding weight could lead to overtraining or burnout, could cause injury, and you don't want to end up on those gym fail Instagram or YouTube videos from being an idiot and just piling on a bunch of weight on your squat even though you're half repping it. When it comes to strength, your form and your efficiency at performing the movement, that's actually a major part when it comes to really excelling. If you look at anyone at the high end of a strength sport, maybe that's Olympic lifting or powerlifting, if you look at their form, it's pretty much perfect perfect for how their own body is shaped. This is why when you see those top level people perform squats or even deadlifts, they don't all just look the same. There's minor tweaks everyone needs to do because of different limb sizes and just the way like our body and bone composition is. But generally speaking, their form is damn near perfect for their body. If you're just focused on adding weight uh, week in and week out, eventually you might get to a sticking point or a plateau which is inevitable because you can't just get stronger forever, like infinitely, eventually you won't be able to add weight. But if that is the case where you hit a wall with your training, then back off the weights a bit, focus on making your form just a little bit better. I've talked about it before, practicing movements, which I'm actually going over later in today's episode, but practicing your technique, that actually goes a long way when it comes to building your body and getting stronger. Of course, when it comes to strength, there's also a lot more than weight and form, like proper programming, uh, changing your workout phases, your like mesocycles, which are like four to six week blocks, and macro cycles, which are longer, like maybe half a year layout or the whole year layout of what your workout routine is going to be like. If you're doing the same thing, the same workout structure for six months at a time, you'll likely see some sort of plateau if you're doing some kind of linear progression. Don't forget to work in also other planes of motion while also taking care of your cardiovascular health, like overall, you know, but I'll talk about those more in depth one day, but for now, that's what you need to remember. Last week, I mentioned that it was my birthday last Sunday, but I didn't get to talk about it because I already talked so much in the intro portion last week. I usually record these on Friday, then release the episodes on Monday. At least that's the usual plan. I think today's might be a day late because of Thanksgiving here in Canada. So last weekend, 
that was a little bit crazy actually. I worked Saturday morning, but mainly just had a day to myself. So I had an upper body workout since that's all I was able to do since my knee is still a little bit injured. It's still lacking some range of motion right now. But Saturday night was actually one of my friend's birthday, one of my good buddies from college. We both graduated in health and fitness, and he's crushing his own personal training business as well. So that Saturday night was his birthday party, since his birthday is one day before mine. Now, usually it would just be a party with the boys. Like five to eight of us would just show up at his place. We'd chill for a bit at the crib. And then we'd hit some bowling. Sometimes we'd go wild and stay late for the -the glow-in-the-dark vibes. So, okay, so anyway, Saturday night, he had his party, and it was actually a pretty big party. It was a party hall at his girlfriend's condo, which wasn't too far away. Solid party, though. Tons of food. Got to see the boys. Played some beer pong. And there were these two-bite cinnamon roll things, which were, yo, they were just absolutely fire. My one friend took the whole tray and he warmed it up in the oven for a few minutes. Oh my god, perfect. Yeah, that night was great. I got to see my friends for the first time in a while. My group of friends that were there were into the whole health thing. So around 9 or 10 or 11 p.m. on a Friday or Saturday night, we just all feel like passing out because it's past our bedtimes, which is a little funny. So in typical fashion, me and the usual crew headed out a little bit early that day, probably left around 11. We needed our sleep. So after that quick nap, basically that night I was up early the next day, which was my actual birthday. So Sunday morning comes around and I already knew the forecast. It was going to rain all morning. Regardless, I had a 7.30 a.m. start at the golf course. Nothing's stopping me. This golf course was near me and on your birthday, you get to play for free. Obviously, I'm not going to miss that opportunity. So Went anyway, even though I was like hobbling on one leg the whole time. Thankfully, my buddy came with me and he toughed it out too. Props to him. It was absolutely pouring rain. So when I went into the pro shop or whatever to start the round, I noticed that the guy behind the desk, he's Filipino. This is like seven in the morning. So I had to bring that up that obviously I was too, of course. So I told him I was Filipino. I left, came back and he was like, Man, I feel so bad that it's raining on your birthday and you're golfing. And he ended up giving me a coupon for another free round. That was wicked. Definitely going to use that soon. So I'm going to be back there in a few weeks probably. But yeah, we headed out to play. Immediately lost this ball into this body of water. Brutal morning. Just so much rain. My knee was messed up. So I was limping around the whole day. The knee obviously got worse as the day went on. We were soaked after a few hours of being out there. But... I'll never forget this. In the pouring rain, I had this little chip in from about 20 yards, and I, oh my god, I can't believe I made it. It's unreal. Best shot of my life. Unfortunately, it was for bogey, but whatever. I don't care. Chip in? That's a chip in, man. That was awesome. I'll never forget that. Banty's Roost. Yes. After that round, though, headed home, took a quick shower, had my own little family party. Most of my family was there, which definitely made the day just so much more memorable. There's a few kids in the family now. One just started school, like junior kindergarten. There's a few other babies. One about to start school also. So the family's growing, man. We're family's getting bigger. We got the next generation slowly starting to creep up. Who knows? I might be up next, but we'll see what happens over the next few years. Other than that, my training really hasn't missed a beat. I can now walk on my own two feet. But last week, for pretty much the whole week, I had a knee brace on 
for at least half the day. Then during my workouts and a few times during the day, I'll take it off, test it out a little bit. It got better pretty quickly, actually. I just remember on Monday, I couldn't even go up the stairs because it was too much knee flexion for my knee. I had to go like one step at a time. So it took me like five minutes to get up to the gym. But by Tuesday, but definitely by Wednesday, I was able to walk up the stairs normally, which was a good sign. First few days of the recovery process, I was actually getting a little bit scared because it was actually getting worse. On my birthday, it felt the worst. That was like two days after the fact, probably because I stupidly decided to play golf on it. And Monday was pretty bad also, but quickly after that, started to feel better. So the rehab exercise I did probably helped a little bit, I'm sure. So right now, I've pretty much gained all function back without pain, but initially, it's like my body was rejecting some of the movements because my body just wasn't trusting the movements I wanted to do, so I had to start doing those flexion movements slowly, and yeah, that helped a lot. I haven't been able to do legs for a bit. I'm not I'm not complaining. I haven't done any loaded squats, but I practice just going down slowly, doing bodyweight squats for the meantime. I'm still able to hit calves. I don't feel any tension there on my knee and doing some stiff leg or the Romanian deadlifts. As long as there's no knee flexion involved, it's, I mean, it still feels pretty good, but that's something I'll be testing out over the week. Should be back to squatting and lunging pretty soon, but started incorporating some leg press work. So there's been no pain there. And this coming week, maybe I'll try some leg extensions and see how that feels before I start loading up the squats again or doing something like a Bulgarian split squat. I definitely am not able to do that right now. But for upper body, I haven't needed to adjust my training really. Haven't been doing overhead press just because I don't want to load that leg with too much weight right now. So I'm doing uh, seated dumbbell shoulder presses as an alternative. And then on bench press, I'm using like zero leg drive. So I've actually been benching for the past two weeks, like with my feet in the air, just hovering the ground or my feet are on the ground, but there's just no tension on my feet. They're just like resting on the floor, like with the heels. I don't know how else to explain that. Only my heels are in contact with the ground, just so I don't put any pressure on my knee. The first few days after my leg injury, I had a chest day and I couldn't even flex my knee more than like 30%. So that's when I started altering the style of my bench for now. I'll just be doing that for another week before I start to practice, you know, the proper form again where my legs are creating that leg drive and they're like solid on the floor because that knee flexion pain is still there right now. So I've been trying to give it some rest and rehab for the week, but that should be better pretty soon here. Anyways, it's almost time to start talking sports again. Finally, the best, I mean, the two best sports to watch are back. That's hockey and basketball. They're starting up again soon. It's like preseason right now. Hockey literally just started a few days ago, so my fantasy team is in full effect. Basketball is starting pretty soon too, but there's also <laughs> there's already been this uh, guy from the G League games. Yo, this has been pretty hype. I don't know if you heard about this potential superstar in the making. As of the recording, this guy's only played, I think, two games, but he's been tearing it up. He's like 18 years old, I think. He's 7'4". Like, what? You might have heard of him. Victor, I don't even know how to say his last name. Webinyama, maybe? Yeah, just remember that. He's a freak, man. I already said he's six. No, sorry, he's seven four. But you need to see these highlights, man. Me just talking about it won't do it justice. He had this game where he made seven threes in one game. Like, seven four and hitting seven threes. Like, unguardable. He's literally, like, he has an unblockable shot. He's so tall. He can dribble. His turnaround jumper was, like, ridiculous. He's just blocking so many shots. He literally looks like a created 
2K player. Like, he's dunking the ball, barely jumping, it looks like, and his head is, like, over the rim. It makes no sense. Never seen anything like that. The only thing is he's super skinny, and he's really tall, so injuries could be a problem. I don't wish him any, but he needs to put on maybe a bit of size, which will come in due time. But let's just hope an injury doesn't cut his career short because he's literally an alien, like LeBron said when he was talking about him in one of those preseason press cons the players have. And yeah, before I start talking about fitness, though, I got to give an honorable mention to another player in the G League, which is like the development league for the NBA. His name is Ho Yu Fat. Unbelievable. Hilarious. <laughs> Ho Yu Fat. It literally says Ho Yu Fat on the back of this guy's jersey, which... Probably just the funniest name I've ever seen, especially seeing it on TV during a basketball game. Like, yo, how do I get a hold of that jersey? That's too funny. Question one, why tempo of your exercises can be so important? This one's been popping up lately, especially questions from clients. And because last week I talked about why strength can be so great. Here's one thing I didn't mention, though. While strength is a good indicator, you want to be going up in strength, but at the same time, you're not sacrificing form. So what do I mean by that exactly? Okay, so you can do 225 pounds on the bench press for three reps, but you're bouncing it off the chest, or you're doing 205 pounds for three reps, but the weight is super controlled. If you're getting stronger, you have to make sure you're doing those reps the exact same way. If at first you got a brand new program or new mesocycle, at first you're controlling the weights, a controlled tempo where you're controlling the negative portion of the rep, then you notice as you get heavy, like as you start to add weight, you start to just let gravity take it down to your chest and then bounce it up, and maybe your butt comes off the bench a bit too. That means, yeah, you might have got a bit stronger, but a little bit of that has to do with the fact that you're now sacrificing form in order to add weight to the bar or for you to get whatever desired reps. So the tempo of your exercises is actually extremely important when it comes to your training. If you want to make the most out of your training, you want to build muscle more efficiently or you want to get a nasty pump, slowing down the tempo of your exercises can actually be a key component to that. There's increased muscle tension there when you're doing the reps slower. So in terms of tempo, there's a quick method that should be pretty easy to get in your head. If I say a tempo like 3-1-1, for example, so a 3-1-1 tempo would mean a three-second negative portion of the rep. The one would mean a slight pause for a second, and then the other one second, you're exploding up during the bench press, for example. So a 3-1-1 would be three seconds, slow lowering down to the chest, one second pause on the chest, then exploding pretty much as fast as you can to finish the rep. Now, what you'll usually see in the gym is just like a one zero one tempo where people just lower the weight as quick as possible, then bounce up and explode out of the rep. That's all well and good sometimes, but you're not really getting the most benefit out of that exercise, especially if your goal is hypertrophy, like you're trying to build your body. So this is why tempo is so key. Because of that increased muscle tension, it makes exercises a lot harder depending on exactly how you alter your rep tempo and speed. They've actually done studies on this. A lot of people, they just miss out on the benefits of every part of the workout. Most people are just focused on the concentric part of the movement, which is the harder part of the exercises where the muscle contracts. Concentric, contraction, okay? That's easy to remember. 
that should be so this should be actually pretty easy to visualize during a squat the hardest part is standing up getting out of the bottom right so that motion going up that's the concentric part of the movement that part you explode up on the way down that's called the eccentric part of the movement or the negative and again most people when they're doing a squat you'll just go down and let gravity help you with that part of the movement kind of relaxing your muscles in a way and then you bounce out of the squat with that stretch reflex so that part lowering the lowering part of the squat or any movement really that lowering part is actually super important when it comes to building strength increasing the size of your muscles especially like i said they've done studies on this movements and exercises done with a slower eccentric part of the movement you get much more benefit from them just more hypertrophy in general so during a squat that means slowing down the lowering movement on a bicep curl, that means when you're lowering the weight, you control it, and maybe doing a three or four second negative part of the lift. So bench press, when you're lowering it, or on a pull-up, you're when you're going down from the pull-up bar, all right? So it's pretty common, actually, as a personal trainer to see this. And honestly, if you just look around the gym and watch the way people train, you'll see it all the time with the tempo is... Nobody really pays attention to it. There's only a few people I see that even pay attention to what they're doing during the lowering part of the lifts. Usually people will just let gravity take over. So you're not exactly turning off the muscle on the way down, but you're letting gravity do most of the work as opposed to slowing it down and resisting gravity on the way down as you should. That way there's constant tension on that muscle. You don't let it relax during your set or your rep. You're actually a lot stronger on the eccentric part of the lift than the concentric part. This is pretty easy to figure out, like on a barbell bicep curl. If you have a partner with you, I used to do this back in the day. It's like negative rep training. You have a weight that's significantly heavier than you're used to. So let's say you regularly curl 50 pounds on the bicep curl. Let's say, keep in mind, you shouldn't be deconditioned or just a new lifter. When you try something like this, this is an advanced movement. You should have some gym experience at this point. So if you regularly curl 50 pounds with the barbell curl, try using 70 or 80 pounds, have a partner with you who's going to lift up the weight for you because you'll notice pretty quick you won't be able to get that weight up by yourself unless you get your back involved and do a super cheat curl you just grab a heavier weight than you're used to have your partner help you lift the weight up to the top of the curl and then all you do is slowly lower it you'll see that you're able to do pretty much you can perform that part of the movement of course there's going to be some struggle because it's heavy but you won't be able to curl it by yourself but you're able to control the weight on the way down so you are stronger doing eccentric movements. You can overload the muscles a little bit more, but that just highlights that there's multiple parts of the lift. And usually the negative portion is the part that most people just seem to forget. This could lead to huge strength and muscle gains, especially for hypertrophy purposes, which a lot of people are after. That's where you can really sculpt the muscle and grow specific body parts or put more emphasis in some areas. This is just one of the ways you could do it and for most people the tempo of the exercises is one that pretty much everyone can gain benefit from so whatever you're not doing now do it so the opposite of your current training you should try the other form for a few weeks or a few months ideally and see what kind of benefits that will bring and if you really stick to the routine don't just start at 12 reps and then you're adding weight but that rep range starts to get lower and lower until all of a sudden you're doing five rep range and then the tempo is just, I mean, you're just letting gravity do the work. Like I've said, 
give yourself time. Be patient. I know it seems like you're not as alpha in the gym because you're not going to be able to lift the heavy weight that you're normally used to, but your workouts should be done in these different phases or different cycles, playing around with the rep ranges in order for you to continually make gains forever. We can all benefit from changing the way we train to something where our bodies are not used to. That's where you'll get the most amount of change, but you just got to stick to it and you still got to train hard. Question two, why you need to practice doing your exercises? This one is always good to work on, and that's because nobody does any movement perfectly. If you look at the way Olympic lifters train, a lot of it has to do with practicing their movements and certain important parts of the lift, like they'll break it down to two different exercises before putting it all together. A lot of their training and where their strength actually comes from is about the efficiency of the movement. They don't train till failure, not even close, because that's a different style of training. It's more power related, so it's more about technique. They constantly practice their movements with still pretty heavy weight, but for them, relatively speaking, they go to like 50 to 70% of max uh, for a few reps. They could probably do 10 reps, but they'll do like three reps and then rest and go at it again for a few minutes later. They'll do that for multiple sets. So they're constantly practicing to make that lift just feel as smooth as possible, as efficient as possible, basically. There's something we can all gain from that. At the end of the day, you don't want to lift heavy weight without first mastering the technique. When you're younger, you might just be focused on strength and how much weight is on the bar until you get a wake-up call, which could be when you get a little injury due to bad form or you miss a lift and embarrass yourself. This is why I'm on here because I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I don't want to see anyone of my listeners on the Jim Fail Instagram page or YouTube videos, like I said in the first half of the episode. So when you practice anything, you get better at it. Just talking to someone I know who has studied half of her life, she's dedicated half of her life to becoming a doctor. She was asking me, do you think my brain was just destined to become a doctor? No, she had to work hard. She had to work and study. She wasn't gifted like some of her classmates who just read whatever lecture and immediately absorbed all the information. She had to take the hard route. She never gave up. And it was that constant practice that shaped her into becoming a doctor. The hard work, patience, practice. Look, studying is a skill just like anything else, especially at a high level like that. Here's another scenario. Maybe you'll relate to this and... Yeah, this is practice that's more gym-related. This happens all the time with clients, and sometimes they get upset at me, when they, uh, but they still listen because I'm the professional. Usually, they go in there into the gym with me expecting to PR most workouts, but when they're warming up, sometimes I can tell that they might not be having the best day going forward. They'll tell me they had a tough day at work. This is like while we're stretching or whatever, you know, the... Yeah, the mobility exercises at the beginning of the workouts, or maybe the kids were making them mad, high stress, not enough food or sleep that day. Those are days where you just have to back off. And this is where even just practicing movements can pay off in the long run. It's a tough pill to swallow. I understand that. Even when I tell some of more, uh, some of my more highly motivated clients, when they tell me it's been a long day or a rough week and they didn't eat that much that day or work was tiring, When they get into the gym, though, some of my clients are just trying to go all out every single day. Luckily, I'm there to talk them out of doing that every single day before they get burnt out or hurt themselves. 
But even those clients, when I tell them that today is going to be a different focus, so no PRs, not going as heavy as we originally planned, I see it in their face though. They're disappointed. It happens a lot of the time. But they do eventually learn and get smart with their training. But when they are disappointed, some get a bit upset with me. But after the sets are over, let's say on squats, they're going to thank me. And they're like, you know what? You were right. I'm glad I listened to you. It's just a position you'll be in a lot as a trainer once you've been doing it for a while. If you were to push yourself in this situation when there are so many signs that the workout may not be great in terms of the amount of lifting, uh, the most amount of weight, then that could be trouble. This is why practicing the movements, if even if you do have to go significantly lighter, practicing will still benefit you because you're just getting better and more efficient at doing the movement properly. Not every day in the gym means you're adding weight. You have to pick and choose your days to lift heavy. In these situations, practicing lifts could be so important. You get better, you become more efficient at the lifts, you're able to break down the movement, especially if you perform your exercises slower. I was just talking about tempo a few minutes ago, and that could apply here also. You'll be able to see exactly where or if your form breaks down during the exercise. So both topics actually did kind of come in hand in hand, really. If you're practicing, you should be slowly or slowing down the reps in some cases. But one last thing I'll say, if you don't use it, you lose it. This is all about practice. Even if you're not specifically doing weight training, even if you're someone who's older, maybe you fell and you're slowly recovering from an injury, it's a lot harder to come back from a fall as you get older. So this is actually something I have a bunch of experience in. If you don't use it, you lose it. If the doctor clears you for physical activity, that's the only way you're going to get back on your feet. I understand that it's difficult at first. You're aching. You're hurting everywhere. I'm not saying it's an easy road, but medicine is not going to do it for you. I know it's tough to get back on your feet, especially once you've started using a cane or a walker. It's going to be tough. But the more you practice daily movements like walking around, reaching overhead, it's only going to get easier. The more you exercise, however intense you can go, which might only mean two minutes of walking without support at first, whatever practice you can do is going to help. Every day, things will just get easier. The more you sit around, your muscles will just start to waste away and you're setting yourself even farther back. So practice doing real life activities or your movements in the gym and you'll just get better. You'll notice that it gets easier and your movements just become better over time if you're doing the right things. And that concludes episode 101 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.